When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Forza Napoli podcast. This is a podcast all about Napoli, of course, but you don't have to be a Napoli fan to enjoy it. If you're a Serie A fan, if you're a football fan, looking for the inside scoop on all things Napoli, this is the place to be. I'm your host, Joe Fischetti. Thank you, as always, for listening. This is our Roma preview episode. And I will do that in two parts. In part one, I'll share a preview I did for La Magicast podcast with Scott Monroe. And in part two, I'll elaborate on some of the things we talked about in that preview, including a bit more detail on some of the Roma players that will not be available for this match, my full starting lineups, and a few things to look out for in this match. So let's get started with that preview on La Magicast. Hey guys, welcome to the latest episode of the Magicast. I'm your host, Scott Monroe. This is a Napoli versus AS Roma preview. There is a big game on Sunday evening, which has got the late night slot as Roma travel to Naples to face the top side in Italian football, who are coasting at the moment as we're halfway through the season. They're 12 points clear at the top of the table. Roma have had a renaissance 2023 start to the year. With me this evening, because we are recording this on a Friday evening, but it's not a Friday evening for my guests. It's probably a Friday early afternoon for my guests today, all the way in uh, in Toronto, or Toronto, Canada, Joseph Fischetti, the producer and the host of the Force and Napoli pod and the founder of Force and Napoli Press, Joe. Thank you once again for coming on. It's your second appearance on the podcast, on the Magicast. How are we on this Friday afternoon for you? Oh, I'm doing well, and thank you for having me on. It's hard to not feel great as an Apple fan right now with the way everything's going. Although, you know, we're all very still cautious and, and scared to, to say the S word, perhaps. But, <laughs> but yeah, I know, things are well. Yeah, we are technically through the halfway point of the season due to the World Cup. It's where all teams have played 19 games, apart from Bologna and Spezia, who are playing at this moment. They have kicked off their 20th game of the season. But there is another game this evening, which is uh, Lecce Salernitana, which I think I might watch. I like, don't mind a bit of couch on a, on a Friday night. And the last Friday night game was the infamous Napoli-Juve game. And I got scared after watching that game because Roma played them in a couple of weeks' time. Fast forward a couple of weeks' time. We are coming to that game on Sunday. Going into this game, Joe, both teams are doing pretty well at the moment. Roma started 2023 unbeaten. Napoli have done okay, bar the defeat to Inter in the league and Cremonese in the Coppa Italia. This would have been a back-to-back games with Roma, wouldn't it, if 
they got past Cremonese in the Coppa Italia, but Roma do face Cremonese on Wednesday evening. How have you found 2023 so far for Napoli? It's been okay. Managed to beat Juventus, beat Salernitana, sadly lost to to Inter. But so far, so good. I know other teams around you have dropped points. You've also beat Sampdoria. So far, so good. Well, that's just it. I think from a Napoli standpoint, it's been somewhat up and down. I mean, the match to Inter was probably Napoli's worst performance of the season. And that spooked a lot of people because it was the first match back after a long break for the World Cup. And there was a lot of fear of what that could become. You know, Napoli have a bit of a history of collapsing right around this time of the year. No one knew what to expect after the World Cup break. But really, since then, it's actually gone fairly well, much due to the performance of all the other teams. Everyone dropping points has allowed Napoli to extend that gap, that cushion at the top of the table. And what these couple of losses to Inter and then also to Cremonese and the Coppa Italia, which most Napoli fans didn't mind too much because it meant that Napoli would be playing fewer games this season, you know, if you were to assume that. Napoli somehow got to the final of the Coppa Italia it would have been four matches so that's potentially four matches maybe it would have been just one if they lost to Roma in the uh, quarterfinals but potentially four matches that don't have to be played and after each of Napoli's three losses this season the first being to Liverpool in the kind of meaningless game in the Champions League then to Inter and then to Cremonese all three times Napoli responded with a victory granted they weren't necessarily against the most difficult opposition with Sampdoria and Salernitana. I almost forgot there for a second. <laughs> <laughs> after the eight, after the eight two as well for Salernitana and the week yeah. that they had previously with Davide Nicola getting sacked and then miraculously getting rehired two days <laughs> later. The chaos of Italian football. Sorry to interrupt. <laughs> no, exactly. But you know, so not the the most difficult opposition, but. Maybe that's also a good thing for Napoli. It was kind of a, a good opportunity to bounce back and put the loss behind them and not let it affect them mentally. And now, really, Luciano Spalletti's objective for the balance of the season is to keep this squad focused. You know, there's some transfer rumors. There's other teams dropping points, and that that goal at the end of the season is getting closer and closer. So his goal now will be to keep the team focused on each match and getting one win at a time. He's also the Champions League. Is it you guys have got Eintracht Frankfurt in the round of 16? That's right, yes. Yeah, oh God, that's the, I would say that's the hipster's choice of the Champions League. Both teams seem to have done well in their group. Eintracht Frankfurt won the Europa League last season and then they were in the group of what? Sporting, Tottenham and Marseille and that went down to the final kick. That should be an interesting tie. I'm looking at Napoli's fixtures afterwards and it's it's quite reasonable after the Roma game it's Spezia away which is the lunchtime kickoff on Sunday the 5th then it's the Cremonese game then Sassuolo then Eintracht Frankfurt Empoli Lazio and Atalanta and then going into the second leg of Eintracht Frankfurt if we can win the majority of what 13 13 points out of 15 that's almost there or you just thinking just pick up as many points as you can later on in the season and don't have to worry about what other teams are doing around you because Napoli have got such a big gap 
get from Milan to Inter to Lazio and to Roma at the moment, you're just thinking just pick up as many points as you can after this. Exactly, because Napoli have a very generous fixture list in terms of the way the difficult matches are spread apart. Like that Lazio-Atalanta back-to-back is sort of one of the few occasions in the, the whole fixture list where there are two top teams in consecutive matches and then with that second leg of the Champions League. So that'll be a little bit of a tricky part of the season, but that's where this cushion at the top of the table helps because Napoli can afford to lose a game here and there. Obviously, the goal is to win as many as they can, and if they do that, you know, try to wrap up the season as early as possible. But it helps with the mental side of things that when you have that big cushion, you can afford to drop a game here and there. And potentially with with the less difficult fixtures along the way, you mentioned Spezia and Sassuolo and so on, Cremonese, maybe that gap could even get bigger, right? Like Milan's struggling. They've got a pretty difficult fixture list coming up. Mm-hmm. Inter's not been the most convincing or the most consistent. Juventus looked like a threat. We'll see what happens with this point deduction, if it holds up or not. But even then, they're still a ways behind. So yeah, things are looking up. But I think, again, really the the team is just going to focus on one match at a time. The Champions League is still very important. It's an opportunity for Napoli to set a new new best in terms of how deep they've gone into the competition. And obviously, the finances are really important as well. So those will both be top priorities. But one of the keys to Napoli's success this season, and I'll knock on wood, is that they have managed to remain fairly healthy. If you look at the last two seasons, people will talk about the collapses in December or January, but a lot of that had to do with injuries where Napoli had six, seven, eight, up to 10 players hurt all at the same time. And that's just going to make things difficult with how busy the fixture list has been, how congested it has been in the last few seasons. On top of that, Napoli added a lot of depth in the summer even with key players leaving the club. So that's made it easier. And perhaps that's the reason why there are fewer injuries because Spalletti has been very good at rotating his squad between Champions League and Serie A. And then we saw in that one Coppa Italia match that we played this year, he changed all 10 outfield players. And I think that's contributed towards the team staying healthy. Are you looking at one eye to the last game of the season at home to Sampdoria's? I know I'm looking six months, five and a bit months ahead. I'm just thinking, do I? Do I go out? Could I go out for the final game of the season and potentially see Napoli lift their first Cadetto in, was it 33 years? Is there a thinking of there? Or are you just thinking, as I said earlier, game by game, not to get too far ahead of yourself and just see what happens later down the line? Well, so a lot of Napoli fans have already booked their flights and their hotels and they're <laughs> hoping to get <laughs> tickets. It's funny because uh, even those tickets are already, the word is that they're going to be very difficult to get, which I don't quite yeah. understand because they don't go on sale until usually 10 days, Late, two weeks yeah, before the match. Mid-May, yeah, be May, mid-May, I would say early to mid-May. Yeah, exactly. But certainly with the way things are looking, everyone's getting very excited. As a fan, it's hard to not think about it. And I think just like the players mentally have taken a step forward this season, I think so have the fans in terms of sort of embracing a winning mentality and starting to 
to not fear talking about something like that and and getting used to actually talking about it and maybe even expecting it. We'll see what happens, you know, in the off season. But there has been, and it's probably because of this big gap that Napoli have from the others, but a much more confident fan base this season compared to previous seasons. Yeah, I, I could tell that with, with social media and the aftermath of some games of like the rivals playing between each other. I saw, I didn't get to watch the uh, the Atalanta Juve game last week, but then when I saw the result 3 3, I think that's a great result for for Napoli. And then when Empoli beat Inter on Monday evening, I was thinking, Jesus Christ, this could actually happen. Napoli could, could do it. There's going to be bumps, there's going to be like massive corners along the road but it's going to be interesting to see joe what's your feeling going into the game on sunday um as you are i guess on a roma based podcast roma have done pretty well in in 2023 they're unbeaten they've managed to not they've only conceded two goals i think in five games this year uh, in all competitions they beat bologna on epiphany well technically not on epiphany but the first game back, got a 2-2 draw away at, at Milan after Milan dominated the game for 75 minutes. Beat Genoa in the Coppa Italia and then picked up back-to-back 2-0 wins over Fiorentina and Spezia. Have you seen a, a different side of Roma in 2023? Or how are you feeling going into this game on Sunday? Because this fixture at Easter last season wasn't the type of result that Napoli wanted it ended 1-0 and I think it was either the week before or the week after if I'm not mistaken was the I don't want to say choke but the capitulation against Empoli where Napoli were 2-0 up and then just lost their heads and lost the game 3-2 and it pretty much ended the title reign but I don't want to bring up some old wounds and that but how are you feeling how are you thinking the game would go do you mirror some of the the last couple of games between the two clubs because I think it might be a bit cagey. I could probably see it being quite tight and maybe the odd goal winning the game. Um, do you echo my thoughts? Apologies for the long-winded <laughs> question <laughs> as we got into there. But yeah, how do you see the game going on Sunday? Yeah, so I, I think it'll be a very difficult fixture. The results in recent seasons have been fairly good for Napoli. I mean, yeah, we didn't want to draw last season, but I don't think we've lost to Roma in the last, I want to say, five or six league matches. That said, I feel like they've always been very tightly contested matches, and I'm expecting the same this time. Like, if we think back to the first meeting this season, it came down to that one moment of brilliance from Victor Osiman late in the match. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, it probably would have been a draw as well. And I suspect it could be another match like that I'm, I'm fully expecting a sort of Mourinho style performance from Roma where play sound football not take too many risks and try to catch Napoli on the break which you know if we were to criticize as as good as Napoli have been and now with Juve conceding eight goals in the last two matches Napoli actually have the best defensive record in terms of goals conceded we have sometimes looked a little bit shaky defensively particularly on the counter-attack so we'll see how Luciano Spalletti plans for that. But he's going to have his full squad available to him. You know, Kim Min-Jae makes it very difficult for 
opposition to counterattack because he's so quick. Mm-hmm. Rachmani, yeah. you know, had a little bit of a shaky return from injury, which was understandable for how long he was out. But I think he's back to form and his confidence will be up after scoring against Juventus. So it'll be, I think, another tight match. Obviously, this one will be played at the Maradona. So Napoli will have the fans behind them. It'll be sold out. Pretty much every home match, I think, will be sold out from here on out. But I still think it's going to be a very difficult match. Yeah, I tend to agree. I don't think Roma will be as open as Juventus were. I think the way Juventus played, was it two weeks ago? Played into Napoli's hands. I think you'll probably see Roma stick to the philosophy and the principles they've played recently. Uh, They played like a back three. They've been playing a back three for, I want to say, the past 15, 16 months since the Venezia game in 2021. The Mancini, Smalling, and the Banyas. And the only downside for Roma is Zeki Celic is suspended. So you'll get a bit of a shuffle, which could either have Nicolas Zaleski at right wing back or Spinazzola come in as well. It more likely be Spinazzola coming, but it'll be whether one of them play right wing back, one of them play left wing back. I don't see Rick Carsdorp playing. Or being called up, I think his future's done with Roma. The same with Nicola Zaniolo. He hasn't been called up. And that's a discussion for another day. I just think it'll be a tight, eagerly contested game with an odd goal like we saw in October where Osserman was brilliant against Smallin. I think that was only Smallin's mistake of the, the season to date. We just got ahead of him with the, that wonderful pace he has and precise finish where he's just turned into an absolute lethal striker this season but yeah it should be a, an interesting game to watch I will actually ask about Osterman actually what's your thoughts of him in I would say his third full season to date in Italy are we seeing the real player that Napoli bought the potential from a couple of years ago because the first two seasons he had injuries suspensions I think it was a disciplinary issue when he picked up an injury while on international duty, COVID, etc. and etc. And I think a lot of fans on social media are thinking Napoli spent a bucket load of money. But I think this season he's just been different, a different kettle of fish. He's been wonderful to watch. I think he's more or less one of the best strikers in Serie A at the moment. Yeah, uh, quick comment on what you mentioned earlier in terms of comparing Juventus to Roma, I think the key to that Juve match was that Napoli scored early and that forced forced Juve to go forward and get sort of outside of their comfort zone. And that then played into Napoli's ball possession, quick movement strategy. So I think if Roma, especially playing away from home, I think Roma's first objective is don't concede in the opening, say, quarter of the match. And the longer it takes for Napoli to break through, then it'll become more and more frustrating. And if you look at the Salernitana match, they did that same thing. They played a 4-5-1 super defensive, as you mentioned, Nicola coming back after that rough loss to Atalanta. And Roma are obviously a much more quality side than Salernitana are. So that'll be interesting to see how it goes. On Osimen, yeah, I think we are finally seeing that potential that Napoli saw in him a couple of seasons ago. You know, a lot of people pointed to those injuries, but they would be more concerning if they were knee injuries or ankle injuries, but they were 
kind of freak accidents, right? He had the the shoulder injury, which he sustained in the, I think it was Africa Cup of Nations or maybe a friendly, but it was definitely on international duty. Yeah. COVID and then the face injury when he collided with Screenyard, I think it was in the intermatch. So all sort of long-term injuries, but not things that can reoccur necessarily. Although he's kept the mask, even though he's long since recovered from the, yes. <laughs> from the yeah. injury, I guess it it's maybe it's a good luck. Charm. Yeah, exactly. Or maybe it's a confidence thing or a comfort thing. Now, who knows? But he started doing well with it. So he just never bothered to get rid of it. He, well, he takes it off every time he scores, which has happened quite often this season. And celebrates. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. But we've we've seen a lot of growth in Osimhen as well, aside from just staying healthy. One of the criticisms of him in previous seasons was that he didn't have the strength and he has a very slender physique. But he appears to have gotten stronger still this season. And you mentioned the goal against Smalling. I mean, the physical strength required to to fight off a player like that, to be able to position yourself for a shot, just shows that he's he's increased his strength. Last season, he improved aerially, and he scored quite a few goals in the air. And, and I feel like a lot of this has to be attributed to Spalletti because he's such a great player developer as a coach. And then the biggest thing we've seen from Osimhen this season I guess there's two things and maybe they're related but one is and again probably attributable to Spalletti is that he's become much more of a leader of this team he's taken on this leadership role mm. you know he's always one of the last guys celebrating with the fans after a win he's encouraging his teammates he's he's giving directions even though he maybe doesn't speak Italian also well but you know he's they're communicating out there and then the other thing is, and perhaps again, like another sign of his his growth as a leader is that he's keeping his emotions in check. He's still a very emotional guy. He still talks to the officials, but he's figured out where that line is and he knows not to cross it. So, you know, in the past where he might have gotten himself sent off for, for making a, a comment to an official or, you know, a reaction to a player like Gianluca Mancini, you know, poking him. <laughs> now he's he's keeping those emotions in check and he's he's using that energy in a positive way. I look forward to the Mancini shithousery on uh, on Sunday evening on a on Osserman who I think didn't he get sent off on the opening day of last season when I think he it did was, against Venezia yeah. where yeah that that looked harsh but it was a bit of stupidity. I I do reckon. Mourinho will do some s housery tactics on on Osserman just to get a bit of attention, but no, Joe, I won't ask for a prediction because it's because <laughs> you it, it probably might come out and backfire. I don't do predictions now, not as I did a couple of years ago, because you know what Twitter's like and it'll get clipped up on for podcasts. But you still thinking? An odd goal. The one goal. I think one goal will win this game on on Sunday, and I think whoever scores it, it may come late on. It may be an early goal. It's going to be tight. It's going to be congested. It's going to be <clears throat> Spalletti ball against Mooball, which I think everyone's going to be talking about on social media. If Napoli do win this game, that's a big if, and other teams do drop points around them you thinking okay 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 we've done the double over Roma I think the last time Roma defeated Napoli was the last time Nicolo Zaniolo scored a goal in the league in the Stadio Olimpico which was November 2019 
are you thinking, okay, we can do this now? Because that support on Sunday in Naples is going to be wonderful to watch if you're a Napoli fan because it's going to be loud. It's going to be chaotic. They're going to be baying for blood because it's the derby of the South. It's going to be... It's what all derbies are all about. It's going to be hotly contested. And I can't wait. I'm going to be nervous. A couple of weeks ago, I wasn't looking forward to this, but Roma's had a fine run of form going into this game. But, Joe, are you confident? <laughs> I'm not hugely confident. It's it's hard to not get used <laughs> to you know Napoli getting wins, but Roma right up there fighting for that Champions League spot. No matter what the result is, I don't think I'm going to get too carried away in either direction. So, you know, if Napoli win, that's amazing. Obviously, it's another result over a tough opponent, another result over a direct rival. But if Napoli drop points, whether it's a draw or a loss, I'm not going to get too carried away in that case either because, again, Roma are, are a tough team and they will still have to play. This is the first match or the first round of the second half of the season. Roma will still have to play against Milan and Inter and everyone else, Lazio, Atalanta, and they could just as well take points away from those teams as well. So I don't I don't think I'm gonna get too carried away. I'm not hugely confident in a win, but you know, I trust in Spalletti and so far he has everything clicking and things have been going our way. It might put a little bit of pressure on Napoli if they don't get a win, because looking at the fixture list, there's not they're matches that you would at least expect our rivals to win. I think Milan played Cremonese. Lazio Fiorentina is a, a bit of a tricky one. Sorry, Milan played Sassuolo. Inter played Cremonese and you know, Lazio Fiorentina. So you kind of expect those teams to win their matches. So if Napoli draw points, that gap could be reduced a little bit. But I think just like the fans, I don't think Spalletti or the players will get too carried away or, or too mentally impacted by dropping points to a very good team. No, that's understandable. That's I think that's pretty much logic of all of most football fans, probably around a certain age. Not like the ones who wear the hearts on their sleeves and just think after a loss, everything <laughs> yeah, the, like the Twitter meltdown. Yeah, the Twitter. Meltdown. I think all of us used to be like this, but I think as you grow a little bit older and just think, uh, it's just another day. It's going to be okay. I've got one final question before we wrap this up. Is there anyone in the Roma side that you not fear of, but that could have that bit of added quality that could scare Napoli a little bit? I know you said the defence hasn't been great this season. Is it Dybala? Is it Abraham as they're, they're linking up really well in the last couple of weeks? Is it the quality of Lorenzo Pellegrini just in behind? Or is it the defensive stoutness of Chris Morgan and et al? Because... Roma have only conceded two goals in their last five games and they've been a, a tough nut to crack. Well, yeah, I mean, the obvious answer is Dybala, right? Because, mm. you know, it's no coincidence that this run of form coincided with his return to the squad. Mm. And he seems to be the one that has unlocked Tammy Abraham, who was really struggling up until, you know, the start of this year. And now Tammy seems to be firing. Sometimes you just need that little bit of luck, be in the right position at the right time to knock a ball into an empty goal. And that, you know, for a striker especially, can be all that you need to get a striker going and scoring goals and he has even a player like El Shirawi who 
may not be the first player that comes to mind, but he is for me because he scored that goal last season. And Yeah, good finish last season. Yeah, and, you know, he seems to be playing a bit more of a an active role this season. Perhaps it's because of the whole Zaniolo situation mm. or, you know, injuries with Dybala and so on that he's found his way into the lineup, but he's still a good player. And then, yeah, I mean, there's quality throughout this Roma squad, maybe not so much in depth, you know, I know Wijnaldum may be returning to the squad. I don't know. I doubt he'll feature, or if he does, it'll be a cameo appearance off the bench or something. But I think it's maybe mid-February now. It's been Oh, have they back. moved it? Okay. Yeah, last week. Yeah, I, I would have thought maybe he would have been ready for the Coppa Italia game, but it looks mm-hmm. like it's been pushed back to mid-February, which is a shame because he had cameo appearances in the first two games and then picked up that unfortunate yeah. injury in, in training where Afina Gian put in a tackle in him and then two days later I think Felix yeah. was gone to Cremonese. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so and I think that's where Napoli may have an advantage is mm. just in terms of the depth of the squad when you look at players like Raspadori, Simeone, you know whoever doesn't start in the midfield whether it's you know now there's talks that Elmas could be the starting right winger because he's played so well lately yeah. after all this debates between Politano and Lozano on the right wing it looks like Elmas is going to be the one that <laughs> that takes over that role and Dombele in the midfield Oliveira at left back there's so many quality options off the bench whereas with Roma I mean you mentioned you know Wijnaldum not being in the squad the whole Zaniolo situation Shamuradov potentially on his way out. Yeah, the Karsdorp yeah. situation. Yeah. Celik is suspended, so there's it's a pretty thin squad there, and mm. and that may play into Mourinho Ball as well, right? Even though that's how he already plays, there's almost even more impetus to play sort of a conservative, energy conserving type of approach because there's not that many options off the bench. No, that's understandable, and I think for the maybe for the tenth year in a row Roma have been linked with Nacho Fernandez for Real Madrid a rumor <laughs> a rumor that will never ever ever go away that's uh, like the, the Napoli James Rodriguez yeah <laughs> from a couple somewhere. of years ago I think yeah. it's it's probably the Wesley Snyder to Manchester United talk from about 10 years ago and I saw that during the week and I thought oh my god um, yeah but no, <laughs> I don't want to think about that um Joe thank you very much for coming on Thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure to talk uh, Napoli and especially ahead of such a big match in the season. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that was our preview on La Magicast. Be sure to check those guys out on all the usual platforms. That will do for part one. In part two, I'll provide a few more details on this match. Welcome to part two of the Forza Napoli podcast. If you like the show, consider becoming a patron at patreon.com forward slash pod. It's entirely voluntary, there are no set tiers, but it does help us to continue to produce content both on the podcast and at our website at forzanapolipress.com. Okay, so I wanted to elaborate on a few of the things that Scott and I talked about in part one, particularly for those of you who perhaps don't follow Roma too closely. Let's start with some of the players they'll be missing for this match. Zeki Celik is suspended after picking up his fifth yellow card of the season in Roma's 2-0 win over Spezia. That creates an interesting dilemma for Jose Mourinho because his alternative in that position is typically Rick Karsdorp. But as Scott said, Karsdorp is not likely to be in the squad. 
That's because he was basically scapegoated by Jose Mourinho back in November. After Roma's 1-1 draw to Sassuolo, Mourinho said, It disappoints me because the effort the squad made was betrayed by one player because of an unprofessional attitude. He betrayed the effort everyone else made. He added that that player needs to find another club. It didn't take long before we learned that the player he was referring to was in fact Rick Karsdorp. About a month later, Karsdorp's lawyer released some comments accusing Mourinho, who has a history of this type of behavior, and the club in general of damaging the player's reputation. And I think he might be right. He said those comments and the club's silence on the matter created a hostile environment around the player. He said Karsdorp was attacked by fans at the airport and on social media. He added, when a player sees 40 to 50 fans standing at the door to his house pushing him to leave, it doesn't really matter at that point whether Mourinho said the name of the player or not. The concern is what did the club do to protect the player. As a result of all of this, Karsdorp was basically frozen out of the squad. Apparently he's still training with the squad while they try to find a new club for him, but the lawyer also contends that this whole situation has depreciated the value of the player. So long story short, Karsdorp clearly won't be the player to fill in for Celic on the right side of the Roma midfield. The logical replacement is probably Leonardo Spinazzola. The other player who won't be suiting up is Nicolo Zaniolo. Once again, he is surrounded by drama. This one started just over a week ago when Zaniolo communicated through his agent Claudio Vigorelli that he would not be participating in the match against Spezia. I don't know why Zaniolo does this, but he seems to surround himself with people who do not give him the best advice. The timing of this was good for no one. With this message, they're basically forcing a Zaniolo transfer out of Roma, but they did this with less than two weeks remaining in the transfer window. With that statement, he alienated himself from the club, who is now understandably trying to move him on, but that's proving to be very difficult. Roma are apparently asking for 35 to 40 million euros for the forward, which is a pretty steep price tag for a player who's had two major knee injuries, who hasn't returned to the level he played at before the first knee injury, and who has only 18 months remaining on his contract. He was linked to Milan for a minute, but there is just no way that Milan were going to pay that much for the player. Then he was linked to Bournemouth, who were reportedly offering 30 million euros plus bonuses and a sell-on fee, but Zaniolo's camp have reportedly rejected the offer. Now, I can understand why he wouldn't want to join an English club that could well be relegated come the end of the season, but this has infuriated the club. There are even reports that Dan Friedkin himself is now involved. There are also rumors that if they cannot get a deal done, then Zaniolo would be frozen out of the squad for the balance of the season, and that is something we are far too familiar with if you remember the Arkadush Milik saga. So Zaniolo will not be playing on Sunday either. That introduces some questions around the Roma attack and even the midfield. We've seen both Stefan El Shirawi and Lorenzo Pellegrini play in that trequartista role. I was expecting Pellegrini to drop into the center of the midfield to play alongside Brian Cristante and El Shirawi to play next to Dybala behind Tammy Abraham. Of course, El Shirawi scored that devastating goal against us last season in which we touched on in part 1. 
I'm recording part two on Saturday, so I've now had the benefit of hearing Jose Mourinho's pre-match press conference, which was as entertaining as always. Mourinho congratulated Napoli and Spalletti for having already won the Scudetto, so like Allegri, Mourinho is playing a little bit of mind games there. But in that conference, Mourinho listed his starters for Sunday, which is also very unusual for a coach to do, and he did not include El Shirawi in that list. Instead, he had Nemanja Matic, that suggests that Pellegrini will play as the trequartista and Matic will play in the center of the midfield. So with that, let's get to the starting lineups. For Roma, Mourinho will line up in his usual 3-4-2-1 formation with Rui Patricio in goal. We should see a back three of Roger Ibanez, Gianluca Mancini, and Chris Smalling. Nikola Zalewski and Leonardo Spinazzola will play as the two wide positions in the midfield, but it remains to be seen which side they play on. As Scott mentioned, they can both play on either side. I'm inclined to think that Zalewski will play on the left and Spinazzola on the right. Even though Spinazzola is more naturally a left-sided player, I think Mourinho will play him on the right to have his experience to defend Cavada. Alternatively though, he could play Zalewski on the right because he has more pace than Spinazzola to keep up with Cavada. And then, as I said, it seems like we'll see Brian Cristante and Nemanja Matic in the center of the midfield, Lorenzo Pellegrini and Paolo Dybala as the two trequartisti, and Tammy Abraham as the prima punta. Napoli's lineup is much easier to predict in my opinion. Really, there are only a couple of positions that might be up for grabs. Luciano Spalletti will line up in his usual 4-3-3 formation with Alex Meret in goal. Amir Rachmani and Kim Min-Jae will play at centre-back and Giovanni Di Lorenzo will play at right-back. I have Mario Rui starting at left-back, but I suppose that's one position where we could potentially see a change. I think with the form that Mario Rui is in, Spalletti will roll with the hot hand, but it wouldn't be unheard of if Matthias Oliveira got the start instead. Personally, I think Oliveira will remain our Champions League left back because those games tend to be more physical and Oliveira is just a bigger body. But after Roma, we have Spezia, Cremonese, and Sassuolo, so I'm sure Oliveira will get some time during that stretch as well. In the midfield, I'd be very surprised to see anything other than our usual trio of Lobotka and Gisa and Zielinski. Likewise, Viktor Osiman is playing way too well to not start as the number 9. Kvica Kvaraschelia is expected to return to the starting lineup after recovering from the flu that caused him to miss the Cremonese and Salernitana matches. He probably could have played the Salernitana match if we really needed him to, but I think they kept him out for precautionary reasons because he hadn't trained much leading up to that match. He's had plenty of training in the build-up to this one. He even trained on the player's off day, so Cavada will be ready to go, and I'm sure he'll be eager to make an impact in another big match. The other position that is debatable is the right wing. I've gone out on a limb and predicted that Elif Elmas will start over the two usual options of Matteo Politano and Chucky Lozano. To be honest, I wouldn't be surprised by any of those choices because they all offer something a little bit different. I'll get into the tactics in a moment, but I've gone with Elmas because 1. He's been playing really well lately, and 2. Because I'm fully expecting another compact Roma side. Generally speaking, it's useful to have technical players in the lineup when you play against a low block. Neither Politano nor Lozano are in particularly good form at the moment. I think Politano is fairly predictable. He basically does two things. 
He cuts in on his left and either crosses the ball into the area or plays Di Lorenzo on the overlap. The other thing he does is play that first time long ball over the top to Victor Osman from the touchline. He doesn't do a whole lot more than that. He certainly hasn't scored much, at least not from open play. I suppose he's also the penalty taker. With Lozano, we all know that his best quality is his pace. It's certainly not his touch. But again, unless we score early like we did against Juventus, he's not going to have that much space to run into. So those are my starting lineups. Next, let's move on to our three keys to the match. First, we need to concede as few corner kicks and as few fouls in dangerous areas as possible. You generally want to avoid that in any match, but Roma are probably the best team in Serie A when it comes to the set piece, and I think this was one of my keys to the match the first time we played Roma this season as well. That one's pretty straightforward, so I don't need to spend a whole lot of time on it. Second, we'll have to find a way to break through the low block once again. We should be getting pretty good at this by now because it seems to be the approach everyone has taken against us lately. We saw Inter play the low block and beat us in the first match back from the break. Then we had Sampdoria, who's not really a good team. After that, we had Juventus, who set up to play the low block. That's how they managed to get eight consecutive clean sheets, but because we scored early in that match, the game really opened up after that first goal. And finally, last week, Salernitana played an ultra-low block to avoid a repeat of their 8-2 defeat to Atalanta. Now we'll play a Roma squad who, aside from Inted, might be the best of all those teams at defending and counterattacking. That is the Mourinho way. They're certainly going to defend better than Salernitana did. As Scott said, Chris Smalling has been very good for them this season. Really, his only mistake of the season, if you could even call it that, was on the Osimhen goal in the first meeting. And of course, they have a much stronger attack than Salernitana do. Paolo Dybala was not available in that first meeting, and he's been the difference maker for Roma this season. They almost always get better results when Dybala is in the squad, compared to when he is not in the squad. At the same time, Tammy Abraham seems to have waken up from his slumber, so that front three of Dybala, Pellegrini, and Abraham could be very dangerous on the counterattack. My final key to the match is that we need to take advantage of our depth. That's something we talked about with Danny on the last pod. Spalletti waited until very late to use his substitutions against Lernitana, and I hope he doesn't wait so long to use them in this match. Now, of course, the changes are dictated by how the match goes, but I suspect we'll see changes earlier in this one. This is going to be another tight match, so Spalletti may need to use the likes of Raspadori, Simeone, Ndomble, and whoever doesn't start on the right wing to inject some creativity, some fresh legs, and perhaps to give us a different look in the attack. Meanwhile, Roma have almost no depth. I already mentioned Karsdorp and Spinazzola. As Scott mentioned, Gini Wijnaldum's injury absence has been extended until mid-February, There were rumors that he could return to the squad for this match, but even if he did, there is no way that he would have been thrown straight into the starting 11 after a 6-month absence. At best, he would have gotten 10 minutes off the bench. And then you have Eldor Shomurodov and Matias Vigna, who are both reportedly close to transferring out of Rome. So Roma will have a thin squad, and on top of that, they have to be mindful of their Coppa Italia match on Wednesday. We would have been their opponent had we beaten Cremonese, but of course we didn't. That means Roma have a very realistic chance of getting to the final. If they beat Cremonese, 
then they'll only need to beat the winner of Torino and Fiorentina to get to that final, and you can bet that they will take that seriously. They won the Conference League last season after a very long trophy drought, so this is a chance to win two cups in two seasons under Mourinho, and Mourinho has always been excellent in cup play. Okay, for my prediction, I am going to go with a 2-1 Napoli win. I'll give the Napoli goals to Victor Osimhen and Hvicek Faraskelia, and for Roma, I'll give the long goal to Lorenzo Pellegrini. As I told Scott, I'm not terribly confident in the result, but I'm going to say that playing at home in a loud and packed Maradona with not too many traveling Roma fans will give us that extra push needed to win this match. So that is where I will leave it. I hope you enjoy the match. If you enjoyed the show, please share it with a friend and leave us a rating or a review on your favorite podcast platform. As always, if you need to get a hold of me, you can find me on Twitter at Joe underscore D5. And you can find the podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Pod. I will be back next week to review this match. But until then, I'm Joe Fischetti. Forza Napoli sempre. Podcast Network.